And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is I. I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom, baby. Yo, that boom um, sounded less like I'm pooping my pants, because usually when I do it, I sound like a little, like, baby. I need to go boom, boom. Well, that's one way to start this episode. Like, what the fuck? That's one way to start this episode. Um, <laughs> that's how I wanted to do it. <laughs> well, I think that that does not fit the theme of who we have on for this episode at all, because this week we welcome <laughs> on Big Bacon Brad Hollister, who is a beast in the ring and has like a lot of, he really shows a lot of charisma when he's in the ring too. And I think that in this interview, like that charisma just really transitioned naturally. Uh, you know, he definitely had a lot of great stories to tell and he's a great dude too. Like that was a really fun conversation. I just loved talking to Brad, and I really hope we can have him on again. For sure, but I felt attacked <laughs> when at the people that go to really get pictures. That's me, man. And I remember when I went to L.A., I wanted to go. The, well, I mean, I guess they didn't just do it to get pictures of people. <laughs> One reason I wanted to go to Malibu is so I could take pictures of celebrities and sell it to TMZ. <laughs> But he did, he did credit that if you uh, are there to just purely get a buck, then he's all for it. That's true. That's true. But um, I also want it on my phone, too. <laughs> I wanted a selfie for me and just like a picture of, of them, them doing away. normal stuff for TMZ. <laughs> like them walking away and like they scratch their nose and it just looks like they're picking yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to like see Jonah Hill like picking his nose or something and then take a selfie with him before or after that <laughs> preferably before well like we said this interview with brad Hollister, he's a really funny dude too like when you guys hear that part of the uh, conversation where we talk about his autograph thing like i just saw it on juice's face too where he was just immediately hurt by that comment that was like the funniest part for me <laughs> yeah i felt attacked and uh he's a funny dude uh, just a great character first time i ever saw him i instantly connected to him because i'm just like this dude's hilarious i need more of this guy uh definitely a guy I, when i see him on cards i get excited because he is great in the ring even though i'm not as i, I do like big meaty man not as much as bill but i do like it so i do like those guys on cards and he's a very athletic one that has a great move set he's also uh strong in the mic and He's just so funny. Like uh, the the comedy that you'll hear in this inter interview, it comes across in his matches as well. Even even just in his actions, and not when he does words, but when he speaks during matches, it uh, definitely comes across very easily. Yes, and we will not hold you back from this interview any longer. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Big Bacon Brad Hollister. Hello, everybody. I am Juice, joined by my uh, tag team partner and my co-host, Big Moves Bill. And we have a special guest, guest this week. He appears in promotions like Wrestling Open every week, and he appears in um, Chaotic, just to name a couple. It's uh, Big Bacon himself, Brad Hollister. Welcome, man. We're nice, uh, happy to have you on. Hey, happy to be here. You know, I've, I uh, dabbled in the podcasting world a little bit, so it's nice to get the toes back in the water. You know what I mean? Was it a wrestling podcast, too, or something else? Uh, we did a little bit of wrestling. It was uh, the What's Sizzling podcast, and then it kind of branched into a sports podcast that we would also drop. So we would do the wrestling podcast once a week, the uh, sports podcast once a week, and that was called First Bake. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, once once real life kind of opened back up and we all got back to work, it was kind of hard to keep it consistent. So we shelved it for a bit. But, hey, if I tear another ACL or another global pandemic happens, I think we're back. I think we're back. So... But for now, I'll keep it to podcast appearances. Sounds like a plan. And we would like to hear if it ever comes back. Oh, absolutely. It was a good time. We had a good crew. The Sizzle Squad. <laughs> the Sizzle Squad. That's a great name, too. <laughs> Sizzle. First break is Bake is a great name, too. Well, yeah, you know, you got to take the first. And uh, Well, it's funny because yeah, that, that group, they always call me uh, Bake. Because, you know, Bacon's not enough of a nickname. You got They got to nickname that even more. So uh, my buddy Matt will always be like, yo, Bake, yo, Bake, yo, Bake. So instead of first bake, obviously, our first take, we obviously switched it up to first bake. I can relate to that because I used to be Juicy J, and it, my friends just abbreviate to Juice. <laughs> yep. Dude, like a nickname isn't enough, right? Like you need a, a nickname <laughs> yep. for the nickname. Right? People are just lazy, you know? Syllables exist for a reason, y'all. Yeah, no, they don't. Two or three syllables is too much. Too much. Uh, too much. If I'm giving you a nickname, one syllable. I just want to ask this first and foremost. How do you get the nickname in the first place of Big Bacon? Uh, it's actually a really cool and very random story. I was uh, wrestling at this place, Top Row Promotions, uh, years ago, years ago. And we were, we like debuted this new stable, which it was supposed to be like all legitimate athletes. And we were like all flanking Ryan Drew, who's uh, Ryan Waters, who's like the head, well, uh, he's a head trainer up there. And um, so he was like kind of introducing everyone on the microphone. And it was myself, Hammer Tunis, TKO Ryan, and Ryan Waters, we were Team Waters. And he starts introducing us all and giving us like really cool, like, he's like, oh, this is Hammer Tunis. He's an animal. He, he'll rip you apart. This is TK Orion, a uh, division one baseball player, absolute stud. This is, and then he points to me and he goes, this thick cut piece of all American bacon, Brad Hollister, and just started going off. Right. And uh, I say this all the time when I'm tagging, like when I'm singles, I'm very focused on the match and like having a good match. But when I'm tagging, especially with someone who's a friend of mine, of the match, I'm trying to make them laugh. Like, I just want them to crack at some point. And uh, so with TK, he thought the bacon name was hilarious. So then I would start, like, giving someone a German suplex or whatever. And remember the old bacon strips commercial for the dogs. Bacon, right? So I'd give someone a move. I'd go, bacon, right? And I started to see, like, there was, like, a couple bacon signs and stuff. And I was like, okay, like, this is picking up. And then Netflix and Chill was popular at at the time. 
So I made a shirt that said bacon and chill. And every time I would re-up the shirts, they would instantly sell out. So I was like, oh, well, bacon's my new nickname now. I guess that's just who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. That is actually an incredible story. I was expecting it to be like you were frying bacon one day and, you know, like you were just like, I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so uh, our uh, Steve Austin, when he says his wife tells him, you know, don't let your tea get stone cold. Like my fiance just came in is like, don't let that get bacon. And I'm like, oh my God, that's it. Nope. It was it was all organic and kind of came over time. Like it wasn't an overnight thing. But the second uh, Ryan Drew dropped that line, I was like, there might be something here. Let me play with it a little bit. And it just kept growing to to now. It's I've because uh, I, I teach during the day. And um, so the kids obviously know I'm a wrestler. And some of those kids will call me Mr. Bacon, which I think is hilarious. You know what I mean? So like the bacon thing kind of just took over and is a part of my life at this point. Did a lot of the kids ever like go to your shows and stuff, your students and see you? Um, so I work in a, a very low income area. So a lot of times for our students, it's it's very tough for them to, you know, get to shows and a lot of uh, a lot of them don't have transportation. So anytime we have a local show, I always try to work something out with the promoter where either like I buy some tickets or like we get them there somehow. But a lot of the shows, there's a lot of travel and they're pretty far out. So it's tough for them. But I I, I love the the school I work at. I love the community I'm in. So I couldn't be happier with, with that aspect of life. That's awesome. I, I, I love hearing stuff and, and we appreciate you too. I mean, I know we're a wrestling podcast and typically uh, you know, a lot of people keep it to just the wrestling. But I, I love hearing, you know, that you love what you do and, you know, respecting your community and um, you know, I, I come from a family of teachers, so I definitely respect that and uh, Hell appreciate yeah. that. I know, imagine that I show up to teaching. Uh, if this is just audio, people can't see, but I braid my hair like Coolio or like that Baldwin brother in Biodome. And I have to show up to work like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> people probably look at me like, this guy, he's teaching my child. What is he going to teach my child? Probably doesn't help to you. You got all the tats and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but again, I think because the community I work in, I think everyone's like, yeah, I like this guy. You know, this guy, this guy keeps it real. Yeah. So hopefully I like to think it helps me, but I'm an optimist. So who knows? So just speaking on the tats too, I mean, you are one of the more tatted wrestlers we've had the ability to talk to. Um, I mean, it's definitely a big part of your look definitely gives that big bacon feel that bruiser feel to you. You know, what are the significance of your tattoos and, um, did they hurt? Because, I mean, I never got a tattoo before. And, like, I don't know, have, like, the chest tattoo. Like, I had a friend that got a chest tattoo and was like, yeah, it sucks. So, like, I don't know if that's true or not, if he was just being a bitch about it. Uh, that's a great question. So, I honestly, my, again, my buddy Matt, he always jokes around with me. And he's like, dude, it's like you got your tattoos when you were 12. Like, because I've had, tat like, all these tattoos probably since I was, like, 20 or 21. Uh, I got them all really, really early, and I haven't got one since. I'm kind of getting the itch again, which I haven't had in a while. But, uh, yeah, I got them all really young, and the first one I just wanted a tattoo. I was 15 years old, and the guy, like, kind of drew up, drew it up on my arm, and I'm like, oh, my God, my parents are going to kill me. They said, like, they're like, if you're going to get one, don't get a big one. We're going to look like terrible parents, blah, 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 blah. You can't do that. And uh, so he draws it up on my arm, and I'm like, oh, this is huge. I'm like, they're going to kill me. And I tell him, I'm like, ah, I think it's a little too big. And he goes, what are they going to do, erase it? And I was like, oh, this guy's making some great points. So I'm like, you know what? I'm fucking up. Let's tattoo me up. 
So uh, my first one, there's really like not too much meaning behind it. I just thought it was a cool design. Um, but then after that, I'm also I'm Native American, so my right arm is a lot of uh, stuff from that part of my culture. So up top, I'm part of St. Regis Mohawk Tribe, so I have our old tribe um, logo tattooed up top. And then underneath, uh, my papa, who's 100% Native American, passed away. So I got uh, his name and an arrowhead. And uh, the the tiger on my arm, my mom always wanted a tattoo, but afraid of needles. So I got that one for her because she likes tigers and the color green. The only color I have in any tattoos. Um, and the chest, more Native American. Uh, it's a wolf howling out of moon. And I will tell you about pain. The arms, nothing. Absolutely nothing. The back... If it's awkward, right? Like it doesn't hurt, but it feels like someone is slicing your back. Like it doesn't feel like a tattoo. It's weird. It feels like someone's like cutting you up. The chest was okay, except mine goes around my nips. And brother, let me tell you, the only way to explain it, it feels like someone had a hot spatula and was trying to like scoop under my nipple to give it a good flip in the, you know what I mean? That was awful. The rest of it, okay, like kind of in the sternum, it was tough, but on the actual like meaty part of the pecs, not bad. Nipple and sternum, I want to recommend it. Zero out of 10 stars. That makes sense. I always want to get a tattoo on my chest because I only have one on my arm. That wasn't bad. Uh, one on my calf, which it's like right on the bone, so that hurt. Yeah, people say calf stinks. Yeah, that yeah, calf is not fun. Like it was only a... It was one of those like flash tattoo sales. So it took like um, 30 minutes, but it was very painful 30 minutes and it bled, <laughs> bled like nothing. Like the one on my arm barely bled and it was awkward. And that took like three hours and I was fine. And I was like, that's, that's nothing. I can get another tattoo. And then I'm like, I'm going to put on my calf. And uh, they put it a little lower than I wanted it. Uh, it was just not a fun feeling. And I was like on the verge of tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had any that bad yet, but. Like I said, those that nipple, I said, ooh. Like, you know, like when your whole body gets hot, like you're in so much pain, your whole body just gets hot. That was what was happening. That was not fun. But it's over now, and it's done, so. Not me too, even with my calf. I don't <laughs> care. I'd, I'd probably get one on the other calf. That one, I'd regret it once I'm in there. But, you know, if it's just another 30-minute one, who cares? <laughs> yeah, fuck it up. Send it. Bringing it back to the world of wrestling now. So I know we talked a little bit earlier just about like, uh, you know, the traveling for wrestling and, and you yourself, uh, you know, you're mostly in the Northeast United States, you know, mostly New England. We saw you in Jersey, New York. Um, what are some of your favorite places to wrestle in around this area? And do you have any goals to work elsewhere in the country or around the world? Um, Honestly, I, I love this area. I always will. I always have. I'm kind of a homebody in that sense. Uh, but I would say my favorite spots, like we mentioned Top Rope earlier, I would say one specific building at Top Rope is like the Brockton VFW. The fans there just get like, they're older and they just get really, really drunk. So they're just vicious. And I, I don't know why. I just, I love it. It's it's probably like, honestly, of all the buildings I'm about to name, it's probably going to be like the smallest crowd by a long shot. But like, they're just, they're animals out there, and I love it. I'm all for it. Um, obviously, the White Eagle for Wrestling Open is iconic for independent wrestling, so, like, that's always a cool place. That's also the spot where I tore my ACL three years ago, so, like, I'm very competitive, and in some way, like, I'm competing with the building. I'm like, you're not going to hurt me again. So, like, anytime I kind of go in there and have a, a good match there, I'm just like, 
it's like a good middle finger to that building, but I do love wrestling there. Uh, same kind of thing. Great fans. Um, even though they stink when they boo me. And then we got, uh, Oh, Bethany, the Northeast wrestling arena. That's always a really cool spot. A lot of cool things. A lot of co- uh, big names kind of came through there. So like, that's another one that, um, is always fun. And this other place I always say is like the hidden gem of the new England areas, uh, PVP, uh, pioneer Valley promotions up in Western mass. I also love it. Cause it's a very short travel for me, but all these guys that kind of like branch out and become independent names, like that's where they kind of like go through first and kind of start getting better. I always credit them with like, that was the first place that would just give me like 20 to 30 minutes on any given night and just be like, all right, go out there and do what you do. So like now when I'm in these bigger places and I'm starting to get those opportunities, I'm not like, Oh, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Because I'm like, Oh, I've done this 15, 20 times already because of the experience I gained there. So that's another cool place. I wrestled limitless last night um, up in Maine. That's obviously a huge spot, always hot and um, independent wrestling. So yeah, in the past three days alone, um, three different shows, I think like 1500 miles, something like that. So I'm feeling it today, but I promise I'll be on early before football. And here I am, baby. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, especially that's a exhausting three days. I oh. I knew you had uh open and chaotic. Um, I forgot you on the limitless card too. I almost, I almost thought about driving down there yesterday too. Oh, I had big but. AC baby last night. Yes. It's a lot of man to deal with, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the Especially title match? two days. Oh, yeah, yeah. We uh opened it up with the title match, came in hot. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get the dub, you know, because if I did, I'd be wearing nothing but that title right now on this podcast. But hey, it is what it is. This is what it is. Next time, next time you're at AC, baby. That's what I that say. Belt. That's what I'm saying. Next time, you know, next time's for best time, you know what I mean? So, uh, you brought up Wrestling Open, which um definitely something I want to focus on. Wrestling Open every week, very hot in White Eagle. Uh, very fun show. And also, I mean, my first question of that, Wrestling Open and Beyond, too, both Drew Cordero's um, babies, they're very unique, unique in the sense that they don't rely on titles. They don't really have titles. It's really just about the wrestling and the storytelling. What do you think about the element? I mean, sometimes there's tournaments and, like, the cups and stuff, and they'll bring the IWTV belt occasionally, but really it's really more about the wrestlers and the characters than title feuds. In a weird way, I think it drives up competitiveness. Um, I haven't really touched on this before, but, like, this is kind of how I think about it. So if there's a title, right, it's established who the top guy is. Yeah, everyone's going to be working towards that, but at the end of the day, we all know who it is. It's the guy with the title. But when there's no title, any guy could feel like they're the top guy of the company on any given day. Any guy could go out there and be like, all right, I'm going to steal a show. Yeah, you think it goes to the main event, but hey, if my match is better than the main event, people are going to leave talking about my match. But at the end of the day, if they're talking about my match, they still know who the champ is. But if there's no champ, now it's whoever has the best match is kind of the top dog of the day. So uh, I think in a, in a weird way, it kind of drives up competitive spirit with the uh the locker room which is always a good thing um i think a lot of people are afraid of competition and i think it's i think that's a huge part of life you know what i mean like i've never done anything just because 
You know, it's always like, I want to better myself or I want to do this. I want to do that. Or like, if I'm at work, like I want to be able to help the kids more. I want to be able to, you know, communicate with families more. I want to do it more than the person I work with. I want to do it more than the person at the school building next, next to us or in in another district. Like, I think when the more competitive people are, the more it kind of drives success. So I think with the, the lack of championship, I think it, makes everyone like, oh, tonight's my night. After I kill it tonight, now I'm going to be viewed as the top guy here. So I I think that's a really cool aspect of it. I definitely agree. And also it makes things less predictable. You don't really know. It's harder to predict who's going to win each night when there's not a belt in the line. You don't have to worry about, oh, they haven't had the belt long enough or, oh, it's it's their time to win. Like anything can change. Like um, wrestling open beyond always – Catch me on my toes. Like, I don't, it's hard to really predict who's going to walk out the winner in each match. And I'm usually wrong when it comes to those two promotions. <laughs> well, brother, I was bet on bacon. That's what I got to say. Oh, I do. And uh, I get heat for it when I'm there. I remember last time I was there, I was rooting for you. I got booze. I remember uh, the crowd booing at me as much as they're booing at you. And no, uh, I know that's what I, I said that the other day. Like, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say like super old school minded, but I'm pretty old school minded with wrestling. Right. So like if I'm the villain, I'm not selling t-shirts. I'm not interacting with fans after the show. I'm not telling people how much I like them because guess what? I don't. So I'm not going to fake it. But if I was a good guy, of course I'm going to fake it. I'm going to try to sell some t-shirts. I'm going to try to interact with everyone. I'm going to try to ham it up. No, I don't have to anymore. Right. So with, um, my fans, I say all the time, if you're a bad guy, even people cheer you, you make them boo you, right? But at Open, I'm so hated, the few people that cheer me also get booed. So I'm like, you know what? The three or four people in the building that actually cheer for me, I'm actually not going to turn them down. I'm not going to turn them away. I'm going to give them the respect they give to me because they're also getting heat for me throughout the show. So, hey, as long as this is a collaborative effort, I'm going to support the people who support me. But until they, until everyone else starts supporting me and it kind of starts branching out, then we got to cut it off. Then we got to cut it off immediately. That's fair. And speaking of support, <laughs> recently it's been tough. Now, me, when I see Big Bacon at a show, Whoever you're wrestling, that's usually I'm I'm usually in your corner. It doesn't matter if you're heel or face or whatever. Usually you're heel whenever I go, wherever I usually see you. But um, right now you're wrestling Ichiban. Well, you have a little feud going on with Ichiban and Wrestling Open, which has been tough for me because I'll be honest, I like Ichiban. You proclaimed him as a bully, and even though I've always supported you and never joined the crowd when they boo you, I. I don't know who to choose. I don't know who to believe, him or you. Is he the bully? So just um, try to convince me why I should choose your side and really stay in your corner. Oh, well, listen, this guy legit just says his name and number one. First of all, anyone talks with anyone who talks in third person, absolute douchebag, right? So let's just get that out of the way. He's a little douche, right? Number two, he only calls himself number one, right? Like the ego on that guy and no one ever calls him on it. Right. And then I, I mentioned the story about the miracle generation when they won the eliminators cup, Ichiban was just like, Oh, Ichiban number one. Like those were his boys. You would think like, he would be like, Oh, congratulations guys. I'm so proud of you. Like, 
look at how far we've come in this short amount of time. Like, we're really taking over. No, he just was like, oh, Ichiban number one. So, like, things like that. I was just like, all right, this guy's a scumbag. He's he's a bad person. And then in our match, he clawed my eye out. That was very visual. Everyone's seen that. Um, ripped my eye out. Almost damn near out of the socket. I can't believe I even have vision in my left eye these days. But it healed up great. You know, I was trying to have fun with it with the eye patch. And I, I, I tried to milk the injury a little bit because I figured, hey, wrestling open is going to pay me for this time off. I'm going to I'm going to milk them for every cent they're worth. And uh, but then he pissed me off. So I, I threw off the eye patch and I told him, all right, no more games. I thought you were a joke. So I thought I could have fun. Guys not a joke. Talented dude, but scumbag. So. I'm going to expose him. I'm going to beat his ass. I don't care about his mask. Everyone wants to like take off his mask. I don't give a damn what he looks like. I really don't. I just want him out of the locker room. I want him out of wrestling open and out of my life. So that's going to be the end game of all this is either injuring him to the point where he can never wrestle again or embarrassing him so bad, beating him so bad that he just never wants to show. Well, he doesn't show his face, but show his mask around around this area ever again. I mean, I am not a, a faithful wrestling open follower, but I definitely have seen the clips on Twitter and everything, and I, I'm convinced. I mean, I, that's pure evidence right there. It's come back. It's come back. And people look at his size and they're like, oh, he's like half your size. There's no way he could bully you. And it's like, um, you could be bullied emotionally too. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. Because obviously physically I would bully him. Like, let's be real. Like if we're just, you know, you know, we're just having a conversation amongst dudes. Like, okay, obviously I would wedgie this guy, give him a swirly, beat him up, like make him pick his own nose. Like I would saran wrap him to a bleacher, which is something I never done before. Wink. He emotionally scars me a little bit. So that's, that's where the bullying thing comes into play. That makes sense. That makes sense. It it's, hurts. Not about, it's not about the uh, size of the dog. It's about the, the, uh, I, I just completely messed up that phrase, but hey, it's okay. You know what? Because I've been there too, especially when Ichiban is kind of giving me the business in the back. It hurts. It just gets in your head. Yeah, maybe, you know, I think you convinced me that going to Team Bacon. I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy pick, uh, unless you want to look like a scumbag who supports bullying. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't want that. Nobody wants that. Like the things that like, I just, when I look at his eyes, right, he looks at, like, some of the fans who be like, oh, that fan's fat. Oh, this dumb broad. Like, I could see him thinking those things, and I would never say those things because, like, I'm a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't say those things to those people because it probably affects them emotionally, you know? But when I just see him looking at people, and he's like, oh, look at this smelly freak. Like, I could see him thinking that, you know? I would never. But I see him thinking it. So you think when he goes over the fans, he does the little one zap and saying, oh, you're a number one, too. He's really just, um, he's not, he's just patronizing you. He's patronizing In his head, he's like, oh, number one piece of crap. Number one smelly person. That's what he's thinking the entire time. But he, people only hear the number one, you know, but, oh, it's all right. I'm going to expose him. It's going to happen. Okay. Okay. I think yeah. I'm officially Team Bacon. I'm sorry, Ichiban, but oh, know. dude, Unless... you should you should hear the things I think he says about you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just done. It's terrible. He's a bad person. So speaking of uh bad people, one of the biggest villains 
in uh, the New England scene. You decided to fight a bully with a bully a couple weeks ago. You brought in Brian Malonis, the brawler. Like we already said, the biggest bully in New England indie wrestling history. What was that process like? Was that a tough decision to bring in a bully? Because I know you hate bullying. That's always been your thing. But you had the you had the recruit a bully. Well, it's weird. Like, so when I started wrestling, I was 15 years old, right? So I was always like the young guy in every locker room. And now all these guys coming in are so young and I just turned 30. So it's like, I'm not the young guy anymore. But when I first started, right? So like these young guys are now like looking at me and like, you know, looking up to me a little bit. And I wouldn't say a lot as long as I'm a big deal, but like a little, you know, there's guys that when you first start going to shows, you see them in big spots. You're like, oh, like I want to be like that one day. That was Malonis for me. Right. So when I first started, like Malonis was already like a top guy everywhere, killing it everywhere. And then um, once I started kind of like figuring it out and like kind of moving up the ladder, I had a couple of matches with him and oh my God, he is the smoothest wrestler I've ever been in the ring with and not. And this is what everyone thinks. Oh, smooth for a big guy. No, not smooth for a big guy. Just a smooth wrestler. Like, he's incredible. When I'm thinking, like, okay, this little scumbag's a bully. How am I going to get back at him? Everyone thinks, like, oh, you're bringing a Brian Malonis to, like, beat him up. Like, no, 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 no. He's going to teach him a lesson in professional wrestling as well. So at the end of the day, even though Ichiban's a bad person, I'm trying to help out everyone. I want everyone to get better. You know, if, if wrestling open all keeps growing, I'm the top guy. We talked about no, no titles. Everyone feels like the top guy, but everyone knows who the top guy is, right? So if Wrestling Open raises its profile with me on top, my profile raises, right? So I'm like, oh, if I get Ichiban in there with Malonis, Malonis will teach him a, a lesson in professional wrestling. So now Ichiban gets better. You know, Rising Tide, uh, what was it? Rising Tides raise all boats, something like that. Well, I want my boat to be at the top of the mountains, yeah, we got boats going up mountains these days. We're wild. That breaks every known law of physics I know, at least. But I, I believe you. Like, I, that's truly. I'm an educator. I know something about physics. Okay. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I truly, I do believe that. <laughs> and it's just kind of keeping on the topic of wrestling open and people coming in, you had the opportunity to wrestle Evil Uno as well. Uh, what was it like when you learned that Evil Uno would be, uh, would be your opponent uh, with Ichiban? Again, this is probably my fragile ego, but I also think he had the opportunity to wrestle me. I like to throw that out there. No, but in all seriousness, uh, he he was awesome. It, it was an awesome match. Yeah, when it, I told Ichiban that he didn't deserve a singles match with me, he was going to have to earn a singles match with me because in our one singles match, I won. So I have nothing to prove one-on-one against him. But I said, all right, you know what? You pissed me off enough. Go find a partner. I'll find a partner. All right? And of course, he picked a guy on TV, right? Like... He's a mark. He's a mark. That's all it is. He's like, oh, let me find a TV guy, right? Like, oh, you nerd, you dweeb. Like, what are you going to, like, I should have sold him one of my t shirts after the match. But uh, no, Uno was awesome. Unfortunately, uh, Ichiban and I kind of brought to the back. I don't know what happened afterwards. Um, people told me that Uno pinned Aaron Rourke. I don't believe it. I didn't see it. Um, I didn't watch the replay back on IWTV yet, which you can watch at any time. I'm going to choose not to. Uh, just this one, though, like any other one of mine, I would love to go back and watch. But this one, not so much because I don't know what happened. And I kind of like that sense of mystery. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, people are telling me Uno pinned Aaron after Ichiban and I fought to the back. I refuse to believe it. But the match itself, while I was in there, I was dominant. 
looked great. I'm getting shredded. I'm getting uh, leaned up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, all those aspects of it was great. Don't know what happened at the end, though. And you've gotten to work, or I guess more, these people have gotten to work you. Uh, some other Damn, there we have go. Made it, that have made it uh, onto uh, TV. I mean, people like Matt Riddle, Christian Casanova, and now uh, Carmelo Hayes, uh, people like MJF and Dan Housen, too. Um, when you work with guys like that, or rather when they work you, um, what is it like to share a ring with them? You know, are they like a different caliber of athlete or are they just nothing compared to you? I mean, brother. Now, uh, I mean, it's, it's weird, right? So like with, uh, Carmelo Hayes, like I've wrestled him honestly, probably more than I've wrestled anyone else in my life. Right. Like I've had hundreds of matches with him at this point and like that one, like we kind of were getting better together at the same time. So like, that was like, that's different. Right. But then like when I wrestled Cody, for example, like that's a guy I grew up watching. Right. Even though he's not like that much older than me, like he's a guy I grew up watching. So like that one was like, that was a cool one. Um, The swagger one was really cool because I'm a, I grew up amateur wrestling. So like, not only did I grow up watching him, I instantly was a fan of him because once I heard he was an amateur wrestler from Oklahoma, I'm like, oh, this guy's a stud, right? So, like, those ones were really cool. The Riddle one, like, I knew Riddle because I'm a huge MMA fan. So I knew Riddle from UFC. So I was excited to wrestle him because of the UFC stuff more so than, like, oh, he's about to go to WWE because, like, I think I had one of his last independent matches. Um, we wrestled at a baseball stadium, which was dope because we had to fight on a dugout. And like, you know, he just can't, he has like, his abs are so like jacked. They, they come out like a stomach. So I, I said, they look like a turtle shell, right? So he has like these turtle shell abs and his hair is like flowing like a Von Eric. And he's just like stomping towards me on a dugout. And I was like, this is how gladiators must've felt. I'm like, this is pretty badass. Um, so like, but like again, but that one like I was excited because the UFC stuff more than the the wrestling stuff. But yeah, so like everyone is different. Everyone is different. Um, very few times I think I've been in a situation where I'm like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? Like my whole thing with like being in the ring with people who who've got more experience is to learn, right? Like I'm not trying to. I want them to kind of put everything together in a sense, right? Like, cause I want to see how they do it, why they're successful, why they got to the level they're at, and then apply that to my game when I'm wrestling people who haven't been there. You know what I mean? So like, that's how I kind of look at wrestling those big names. Like I don't look at it as like a, Oh, this is cool. I get to wrestle them. I, I look at it as like, okay, I'm going to school today. Like I, I better learn. I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my thinking cap on and I'm going to just shut up and listen to a lot of things that they say, because there's a reason they made more money in this business than I have. They know what they're doing. So I want to know what I'm doing so I can make a lot of money too. Yeah. Like I, uh, I know we've had like plenty of people on before that have said like the, the things they've learned from some of these guys um, is just like immeasurable. You, you truly can't put like a value to some of the things these guys teach you. Just to bring it back to those uh, names that we were talking about. Is there like one particular thing that somebody taught you that you like it stood out to you more than any of the others? Uh, I would just say timing, man. Like there, like people who've been on TV, uh, and that's why I say, like, when anyone asks me about like working with like names, I, I always say guys who've been on TV, their timing is just perfect on everything. They're, the timing of the match, the timing of like feeding into stuff. There's no, and then this kind of goes back to Malone's too. Like, and when I say he's so good, it's because there's no wasted motion, right? 
everything is done for a reason. There's no just guys running around just doing nothing and wasting energy and taking away from the match. Like every single single step, every single turn, every single cell, it's all done for a reason. And um, that's what I always take from those matches. Like there are times where I'm like, I'm in there with a name and I'm like, oh, I'm going nice and slow. They're going to be like, oh, this, this guy's good. This guy knows what he's doing. And like, I start to get up and I turn and they haven't even moved yet. And I'm like, oh, that's taking your time right there. That's letting things sink in and kind of giving the crowd a chance to, to really buy into it. Like I compare it to the basketball, right? You watch basketball. It's nonstop. And I love basketball. It's one of my favorite sports, but it's nonstop. So you really don't have the chance to like go nuts. You could kind of get up a little bit, but you don't have the chance to go nuts. Football, you get a break every play. So like every play feels like this could be a touchdown. This could be it. This could be the one. So everyone kind of gets up for those things. So, and that's why like that little break in between is, is the timing and the selling and telling a story and registering things and the difference between register and selling and all those aspects. So like being in there with those kind of names, like that's what I take from it is, is just the take your time, slow down. If you're going, if you think you're going slow, go slower. Right. Like that's kind of like a thing you, you learn early on in wrestling and then you start getting good and you're like, ah, I don't need to do that. I could, I could do whatever I want. I could take a destroyer, no sell it, hit a clothesline, the inside out bump. Like, you start getting into that mold, but then like, then you get older again. Then you're like, Oh no, that's stupid. That's so stupid. Why am I doing all that? I could tell, just tell a story and it's going to get a better reaction. And people are going to be more emotionally invested as opposed to just being like, Oh, this is cool. You know? Totally. It's really interesting to hear just like the different dichotomies of like somebody who's new. And like you said, somebody who like has had the time worked with these people and just learned these things. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. It's not like a song like I woke up one day and I took my first bump and I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Like, no, nah, I, I, I've had great people around me. Um, a lot of people that really helped me out that didn't have to. Like um, this one guy, and I would love to put him over, is uh, Alex Cypher. Like, he's a manager now, but years ago he was a wrestler. And I don't know if y'all remember Alex from back in the day, but Alex was yoked. He was jacked, bro. Like, oh, Alex was huge. And he was one of the first guys that, like, really helped me and, like, helped me get to that next level. Because when I first started training, it was a lot of older guys that were, like, kind of just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? And they, they didn't want to bump. They didn't want to do much. Alex was one of the first guys, like, okay, what do you want to do? And I was like, what? Like... I have so much things I want to do and I haven't been able to do any of them. So like now that uh, he's in the manager role, it's really cool to like be with him. And now it's like, we're helping each other where before he was just helping me and he had, he had no need to, like he was hot on the Indies at the time. Like he didn't need to help me out. And he did. So like, it, it's things like that, that I've, I'm very lucky to have the people I've had around me, like Antonio Thomas or uh, Thomas Santel. Like he was my trainer, like always was bringing me to shows when I was younger and like would do extra practices on the weekend just because like I was, when you first start, you're just starving. Like you just want to just, everything is wrestling. Like I just want to, I want to practice seven days a week. I want to work out right after practice, right before practice. I want to like, everything is wrestling. So like Tom was awesome with that because anytime I was like, Hey, can we do a practice this weekend? He's like, yep. 
can oh can we uh say an extra hour i want to work on my punches yep no problem so like i'm just i've been so lucky in my wrestling career to be surrounded by great people that's awesome to hear and it's actually so funny that you brought up cypher because uh we did have a question just you know we wanted to bring up him being one of the best managers uh in the new england indies right now and you know kind of what it's like to be working with the man with diamond hands but i mean you, you it seemed like you said it yourself you know i actually didn't know he used to be a wrestler like that i didn't know that at all yo and it's funny because uh Yo, back in the day, Alex used to whoop my ass. Like, we would have matches, and Alex would whoop my ass. And it's funny now because he lost so much weight because um, he had to have neck surgery. So, like, you know, he just – you don't have to be working out 24-7 when you're not wrestling anymore. So he lost a bunch of weight, and people, like – even you could see, like, guys who might remember him as a wrestler, they're like, that can't be him because, you know, Alex was an animal. But, dude, he's the man. He's such a good dude. And – uh yeah, I can't say enough good things about Alex. So I, I love that we get to work together now in this aspect because when I was like 16, 17, 18 years old, he was teaching me to have, have matches that weren't just like tackle, drop down, hip toss. Like that weren't just the most basic rudimentary matches of all time. Like I, I always give him credit for that. Like a Slick Wagner Brown's another guy that like, even though like he never trained me, we would have so many matches together and he was the first guy that would like teach me about like falses and all these other things where I was just like, Oh my God, this is a whole new world of wrestling to me. So like I say like guys get you to, there's people that get you to certain levels. Right. And the first level was like Thomas Santel bringing me to training all the time, helping me out, helping me get better. And that second level were guys like slick and Alex, because now I'm getting that actual in-ring experience in front of a crowd it's not in a warehouse in palmer massachusetts you know what i mean it's a we're in front of a crowd we're working together we're doing falses we're we're telling stories we're trying to hook people in so it's like those guys got me to that level and then we start mentioning like earlier when we're talking about like cody swagger like um uh carmelo because we've just pushed each other so much they helped you get to that next level of like now i could start helping people you know what i mean so like People just get you to, uh, you keep leveling up and you just got to find the people who get to that next level. I think that, um, good transition to our final question tonight. It's a pretty generic question, but we always ask it because we're always curious. Your dream match all time, any wrestler, um, alive or passed away, any error, you can say stipulations if you want. It doesn't just have to be one person, it can be triple threat, any, any rules. There's, well, there's no rules. So, uh, who, who is it? All right. I would love to step in the ring with Big Bacon Brad Hollister. I mean, that guy got everything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if <laughs> if I were to, I say this all the time, there's a couple guys that I would obviously love to have that match with, but one of them is like actually realistic. And like, so I try to put that into reality as much as possible. So my top four favorite wrestlers is a very random list. Uh, The Rock, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, and Carlito. Don't know why Carlito's on that list, but when I was like 12, 13 years old, he was my favorite wrestler ever. Only wrestler I ever went to like an autograph signing for because I always thought that was cheesy. I'm like, why do I want a signed piece of paper from a person? Like, that's why I do it. Like, I don't want to get off into a whole tangent, but like, I think autographs and like pictures is weird. Like, if I see the person, like, that's enough for me. Like, I can remember that forever. Like, why do I want a picture with that? Why do I want a signed piece of paper? Like, I don't know, like, do, do you like, do people like look at that paper and be like, wow, that person signed that? Like, 
who cares, right? Like, I don't know. That's just how I think. So Carlito's the only person I went to an autograph signing for. Huge fan of his. And I think that could happen. I've seen him do, like, independence around the Northeast area. And I think that one's a real possibility. Angle's retired. I don't think I'm getting that rock match anytime soon. And Brock, brother, I don't want to be taking those bumps. So give me Carlito. Uh all day, twice on Sunday. I think I can make it happen. So I hope out of everyone who gave you a dream match, I hope I'm the first one that will make it a reality. Uh, that's a good one. I mean, I love Carlito and I am, he was just at a independent show that I, for a company I used to kind of work for. So that's, that's definitely what I'm possible. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. I love it too. Uh, Carlito is Definitely one of my favorites when I was a kid. It's Yo, totally I'll go around story. just spitting apples in people's faces. That's the only time in my life I ate apples. Like, I'm not a, like a fruit and vegetable kind of guy, right? Like, give you like meat and chips. Like, that's what I live off of, right? I was eating apples like a mug. You know what I mean? I was, uh, I was <laughs> spitting them at people like crazy. I was nuts. I, I was a crazy little kid. So, like, Carlito was my dude. So, I would love to have that match. And uh, for us to, like, just be able to go out there and do what we, we want to do for a, a long period of time or however long we want, you know, that that's my dream match that I want to put out into the universe. I think my only issue with your uh, reasoning was the shot at um, autographs and pictures because I'm a very big sports guy. So I have a bunch of signed pictures and I love my pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt personally attacked. But... Well, like, okay. So for decoration, that's one thing, right? Like, I'm a huge Saiyan fan. If you go into that room right like right through those pocket doors, it's all Titan stuff. It looks like a 13-year-old boy's room, right? Like, that's what my living room looks like. So I get the memorabilia, memorabilia aspect of it. But, like, I'm talking about when people, like, will just go out of their way. like Or, like, the airport, like, people, like, that's crazy to me. Like, I am not going to waste my day hanging out just for a piece of paper that someone assigned. Now, if I'm going to flip it and sell it, now it's a different thing. Now we in business, baby. Now, like, <laughs> I can kind of, like, divvy that up and be like, okay, um, that was, I got paid X amount of dollars per hour because I had to wait for eight hours and I got $800 for that autograph. You know what I mean? I got X amount per hour. So I can understand that. But people just, come on. Like, I don't get it. I'll never get it. Like, when, uh, like the picture thing. I don't need a picture with someone. If I had a conversation with them, if I had a match with them, someone would take a picture of us together. I don't want, I don't want to be like, hey, baby, you want to take it? I, I took one picture, actually. One with someone in the locker room ever. David Arquette. David Arquette. And it was because uh, C-Spot Run was my favorite movie when I was a very, very little kid. I was like eight years old. I don't think anyone even knows what that movie is. But when I was a little kid, that was my jam. That's not the Dave Arquette movie uh, people usually say. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Especially in wrestling, because it's either Scream, obviously, or Ready to Rumble, right? Yeah. So, like, those are, like, the two that people talk about, especially in the wrestling world. But, like, nah, dude, C-Spot Run. C-Spot Run. Uh, I love it, though. I love it. Uh, good answers. Um, You don't have to answer part two, because usually we ask uh, current, but um, Carlito is current, so that's good. Oh, you know what, then? Then we'll switch it up, and I'll go with, like, um, an all-timer. Someone that I definitely can't have a match with. Just got to think on it real quick. Give me like a real old school. Like, cause I just want to see how, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it would be on the fly, but like, give me like, like a Luthez. Like, give me someone that like, 
like just like a very old school like shooter type uh like a hack and schmidt or you know what everyone from the northeast area all the old people always talk about chief j strongbow I want to see what all the hype's all about. Get me in there with Chief J. Anytime, like an old person, like an old person says, "Oh, you wrestle? Do you know Chief J. Strongbow?" Like that's, and I'm like, I, that's someone who never gets talked about. But every old person in this area asks you about Chief J. Strongbow. So yeah, get me in there with Chief J. Strongbow. That's what I want. That is definitely a first. I think he gave us two firsts here tonight. <laughs> Carlito and Strongbow. Chief J. Strongbow. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we get uh, the generic answers of Shawn Michaels. Uh, plenty of Randy Orton's. Usually Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton are the two names we hear the most, so we like that. Well, now chalk one up for Carlito and Chief J, baby. They're on the board. Yeah, we <laughs> should keep track of it because we don't. <laughs> I will now. Oh, uh, no, you know what? No, I'm not going to say it. I was going to make a, I hate, I hate Bret Hart. So I was going to make a Bret Hart joke, but you can never mind. Bret Hart joke. <laughs> I was about to say, give me Bret Hart and I'll give him, I'll give him the Goldberg special. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this one's for Bill. It's for the amount of, for the amount of burying he does for Goldberg. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. You know what? Goldberg stunk, but oh, that guy had presence, dude. Like, let's not take mm-hmm. that away from him. And that guy made a lot of money in wrestling, so let's not take that away either. Shut Still up, does. Brett. You bitter <laughs> bastard. Well, Brad, uh, with the last few minutes of the episode here, we like to let the guests plug and promote anything they have going on, be it social media, merchandise, appearances coming up, things like that. So uh, with that, the floor is yours. Uh, all my social medias are at Big Bacon Brad. Uh, alliteration. So that's always cool. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm not a good guy anywhere I wrestle. So don't buy my t-shirts. Don't wear my t-shirts. I don't want to see any of you in them because you don't deserve to wear them. And for things coming up every Thursday, uh, IWTV wrestling open eight o'clock. It's literally the, the, the best weekly television product in wrestling. Like I don't give a damn. Yeah. We don't have the production. We don't have all that money behind us, but like when you just want like, Wrestling that makes sense and tells stories and like things are logical and one thing leads to another crazy concept, right? Wrestling opens the show to watch because week in, week out, you get all these guys who are young and hungry. They're the guys you're going to be seeing on TV in a couple of years. And it's very logical storytelling. It's literally like um, we say it all the time. It's a, a crash course training for TV wrestling. Because that's what we do. We do weekly television wrestling, and it's it's the best bang for your buck. So IWTV uh, wrestling open every Thursday eight o'clock. Watch me kick little people's ass, and that we will. And again, Brad, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence tonight. It was a pleasure. Let's go, cool, baby. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun, guys. Welcome back, everyone. I am Juice. Again, it's just me. And big moves, Bill. Finish this episode out for you, and I hope you enjoyed that one. I definitely did. It's one of my personal favorites already. And definitely, if you're in the New England area and you decide that you can make it out to Worcester on a Thursday night at the White Eagle at 8 p.m., definitely do it. I've been there a couple times. I want to get Bill there a few times because I think Bill would fall in love with it because it's honestly the most fun I've ever had at an indie show. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I mean it. Like, first time I went there, I've only been there twice so far, and it's the two, two of my top five experiences at indie show. It's nothing like it. It's a great stacked roster. Drew Cadero has a great mind for um, 
wrestling promoting and booking beyond and wrestling open are very great new england area in general is a great scene to go to if you're ever maybe if you're traveling from across the country during survivor series and you want to go see some indie shows i definitely there's plenty during that week definitely come either on thursday see wrestling open or um any other shows i know there's actually quite a few that weekend that on purpose of course so see brad see so many other great towns but mostly see brad because mm, I mean, yeah. he is big bacon and as we talked about wrestlers who have gone on to bigger and better things uh have had the pleasure of being in the ring with him it's not that he's had the pleasure of being in the ring with them so we have to remember that yeah. and he is the top guy at wrestling open too so don't put any discredit on the name there honestly he is <laughs> honestly he is my favorite and there's some uh I love Doug's great, and there's so many other. Uh, uh, Ichiban's great, even though uh, Big Bacon might have turned me off. Team Ichiban, I don't know. I mean, very, very Big convincing. Bacon is sizzling. Big Bacon's the man. That's the man you want to see on Thursdays. That's a man worth driving to see. Amen. And before we close out the episode of Ear Juice, I know you said you had one last topic to touch on, so uh, I'll, I'll just let you get to it. Hmm. If you're a fan of Ronda Rousey, you might just want to turn off. <laughs> just turn off the episode now. Um, you know, it's a it's my Ronda Rousey rant. So as we saw on Friday night, I didn't get to see it live, but um, I did see the clips of the debut of Emma and Ronda Rousey's reaction to it. And Emma debuted, and Tennille Dashwood was her impact name, back to being Emma. I love seeing her back. I'm a big fan of her. I think she's great, underrated wrestler. I don't think she ever really should have left. I think they should have tried to make it work. Uh, they tried to repackage her, but um, just bad booking to, uh, took down her WWE career, but she's too talented to fail, and she's back. So, of course, she was open. The She answered the surprise open challenge of Ronda Rousey. And I get that Ronda Rousey is this big badass. She doesn't care who she's fighting. But we've seen a lot of open challenges from badass characters where when there's a surprise debut or a big return, even though they say they'll fight anyone, they don't care who it is, they still have a shocked f face. Like Roman Reigns will be like, I'll beat anyone. I've beaten everyone. But then John Cena comes to the door and he's shocked. And that's what you got to do when you're a Brock Lesnar or a Roman Reigns or a big bad. Even if you say nothing can shock you, you got to be shocked. You got to you gotta put that person over the top. That's your job. You're, you're working together. So when someone, so when Emma returns, someone who is very popular and beloved and has won a, a match that her and Paige, like people consider that match, um, I think NXT, one of the better women's matches of the women's revolution. So I think that's a big return for Emma to be there. And it was talked about all day. I wish it wasn't spoiled, but it was. But um, so she came out and Ronda Rousey's face, Rousey's face, she just like looked unimpressed and bored. I'm like, he, he, I get that your character, like I already said, that you don't care who it is. But we've heard people say that and then they get shocked when someone walks into it. I think you have to put put her over, put Emma over. Even if you're not familiar, put her over. Pretend to be shocked. It just makes me... I think Ronda Rousey in the ring, she she has a good moveset and she can put good matches. But what always 
think takes down her matches to me or make me like them less than other people is that she doesn't understand the nuances. She doesn't understand the little things, little things like that. I, I You're probably like, why are you really mad that she didn't put a surprise face? I'm like, it's important to put over the other person. I, I don't care if you're going to beat them up in a few minutes. Emma returns big. Put her over. I hate Ronda Rousey. Oh, my God. I, I just can't stand her. Why'd she beat my girl Liv? Uh, Liv would have put Emma over. I hate it. I hate Ronda. That's my Ronda rant. You know, I didn't expect that when you told me that you had a rant. But, I, you know, I agree with you, though, actually. like I think for as as wild as that rant was, I, I think you do have a point, though. It's, it's true. Like, Emma is a big deal in WWE history. She's definitely one of the most under-talked-about parts of the women's revolution. Um, I mean, considering she's putting on matches in NXT and on the main roster with a lot of the women that are considered to be part of the women's revolution. So in terms of WWE's women history, like, yeah, she's a she's a big deal. And, and Tennille going off and doing her other things in WWE promotions, like, again, she was a big deal. People were like, wow, like, Tennille Dashwood is is a great wrestler, like somebody who has a great character. And yeah, like, it is weird. Like, I, I didn't actually really see that nuance in, in uh, Ronda's face of, like, not selling the, the return. But that's a really good point. And I think, yeah, like, if you have somebody, especially in the caliber of Emma, because I'm sure she's also going to be put into, like, that veteran women, like, always in the hunt for the title sort of picture moving forward. Like, yeah, you, you got to make her feel big. Like, I, and she is big. Like, you got to make the moment feel big. And, yeah, like, if, if Ronda didn't really, like, sell it like uh i don't think it's comparable to roman reigns selling for john cena or brock lesnar but yeah like it's it's definitely like you gotta make i wasn't comparing emma to brock lesnar john cena i'm more so comparing the moment like it's a moment of someone returning a a big return or debut of course i'm not putting emma on the same level as a lesnar or a john cena john those are two of the goats emma Emma's not, but Emma is great. And I, I think even if it's a smaller debut or return, more comparable to Emma, I'm just having like trouble thinking of one that Roman Reigns, no, I, Roman Reigns yeah. is the guy. So no, I, I, I for him. totally get it. Totally get it. But yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that that's just something that is one of those little storytelling characteristics that just helps sell the moment a little bit more. And if you guys have an opinion on the Emma debut, or if you guys have an opinion on this interview at all, because again, Brad Hollister is somebody that you should be talking about because Big Bacon is here and Big Bacon is a top guy anywhere he goes. So why wouldn't you be talking about him? Uh, you can let us know on social media. And Juice, what is our social media? On Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore. Capital P, lowercase o, lowercase d. Instagram, it's the same handle, T-O-T-C underscore P-O-D. So, um, yeah, let us know your takes on Big Bacon or your favorite Big Bacon matches. And also let me know why you also hate Ronda Rousey. Or if you like Ronda Rousey, um, you can let us know too, but I don't really want to hear it. And... And as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify and you do not leave us a five-star review, that means that you, specifically you, that person not leaving us the five-star review will not get five-star content. And that is just a fact. Fact. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in and we will catch you 
next time.